back. Straight you up. guys now have seen me. Do you want to love me forever? forever? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> or are, are you a hit and run? Oh, good. I'm glad Is you it a hit and run? It's Paul Abdul. We know that straight up. It's a song about a hit and run? <laughs> I think we should cover it in the podcast. Our next Patreon episode is going to be us discussing Paula Abdul's Straight Up. A hit and run story. A hit and run story. Y'all, I've been gone for a month. Does it feel that way? Yeah, it feels like it's been a while since we came back and I was researching my stories and I go, you know what? If I'm a little rusty, so be it. Yeah. I said to myself, you know what? I didn't come here to make friends. I came here to make a podcast and a mediocre one at that. (laughs) it's been um it's been a month i and everything's different now the world opened up as well the fact that i walked over here without a mask on right fucking incredible i will say do you want to share one thing i came back on monday and i immediately like jumped right back in new york life and Mm -hmm. i think i've said this on the podcast before where it's like i did not consent to us opening fully back up but we have and Could we're the coming CDC in hot please have given me a warning like, i just, look like shit just <laughs> you first of all no <laughs> second of all i just needed like a slower ramp up because i was offered a job um catering on Ju- june 8th and i said the reason i got my shot was because i catered and i thought i gotta go and work for this company mm-hmm. that's the right thing to do and i it was great mm-hmm. it was an event on the hot <clears throat> It was an event on the High Line, and the kitchen area was about two blocks from where I served. I think I walked 10 miles. I didn't have an Apple Watch on. My feet have been sore for, like, two days. What kind of shoes did you wear? I wore um, my Dance Go clogs because they're mm-hmm. the most supportive, and you needed a black f- shoe, and they were like, no ugly shoes. I said, well, no you're not walking. Shoes. And my, That's my, so rude. My shoes are ugly. Yeah, of course. But, like, I needed some support. I'm not wearing flats. Yeah, anyway. I tried to get away with all birds, but I think they'd oh, be too smart. ugly. No, those are smart. I don't have all birds. My mom is fucking obsessed with all birds. So that happened. All birds? Can we get a... Can we get a what, what, and a sponsorship? Can we just get a I'm just going to free pair. I just want to free I take pair. a 10% off. I'll take... You can't even get a coupon of that shit. Oh, right. Can you, if it's your first purchase? No. And they have, like, a very clear language about why they never... Give discounts or coupons. They're like, look, we take this seriously. This is how much it costs. Fuck off. Is it worth the price? I own four pairs in so different yes, styles. My mom They're says, very comfortable. What's your favorite style? Maybe I'll order. I I did my tax return. I'm getting a little money back. I'm like, yeah, let's go crazy. It's weird because when you get your tax return, don't you spend it like four times? Because you mm-hmm. keep saying in your head, but, oh, I, got I, got this, but I got that tax return. But I got that tax return. But I got that tax. You're like, it wasn't that much. <laughs> Someone in my life did my tax sum, and they said in the 14 years of doing returns, mine was the most challenging because I'm self-employed, and like, and I go, mm-hmm. but also, is it for the least amount of money? And she was like, yes. <laughs> 
was the most complicated <laughs> with like the least amount of income. And I thought to myself, this is the fucking problem. It's like you with our world. With our world is like the people who make the least amount of money probably have the most complicated because you have so many different jobs. You're a gig yeah, employee. And you're it's like, like here's a ten ninety nine, here's a W four, here's <laughs> totally. what I made on eBay. Th- that's what mine was like. I was like, here's yes. what I made on eBay. Here's what I made on Etsy. Here's what I made Patreon. Here's how I can write all that off because I spent more money on those things than I made. Totally. Here's what I made on Patreon. Didn't make anything on Patreon. Spent it all in Adobe. <laughs> Speaking of, I do want to thank our new Patreon <gasps> subscribers. <gasps> Ashley L. Ashley L. Ashley L. It's we another Ashley. I know Ashley M is also a Patreon subscriber. Right. So Ashley L. I mean, we got to talk about The Bachelor every time we get another Ashley because I just mm. picture Ashley L. Totally has a target on her back, right? <laughs> is that... You watch The Bachelor, That's I don't. That's my favorite thing they say when they're like, it's just that I really feel like now I have a target on my back. Ashley L., thank you. You're here thank for the right Ashley reasons. L. We and don't we, doubt it. And you don't have a target on your back from us, at least. I don't know your personal life. I wouldn't dare assume. We're not going to try we, anything funny. In fact, funny. you have a rainbow above your head, not a target Celeste. on your back. Celeste. Let's talk about Celeste. 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 I'm, I'm in love with you. Celeste, you're great. Celeste, thank, thank you. you so much. Ugh. And also, gorgeous name. Wait, should we talk about, oh, Susanna? <gasps> Susanna? Won't you? Patreon for me. Won't you give me money? And you did. <laughs> we come from Denver with a microphone and a beanbag chair. Here you I know, am. We are, listen, the next the next level of Patreon, we're going to invest so that I also get a beanbag chair. Oh, wow. That's, you guys better start <laughs> Up we in those more. Patreon subscriptions. We need more money. These beanbag chairs, they're not cheap. And you know who knows it? New Patreon subscriber, Christy. Christy, hey girl. Christy, Christy, never knew you made me misty when I thought about all the money you were giving me. <laughs> you know what happened you is... Wanna, I want to just say, Christy, that was on the fly. I We didn't practice that at all. She made <laughs> that up. You know... I think she knows that. Okay. I I, I was surprised. Did did Quinn do a dress rehearsal before I came over? Well, here's the thing. Jen with two N's, who I love, who's one of our Patreon subscribers, who has been a big help to me, a big emotional support system for me. She reached out to me. We don't know each other outside of uh, the fact that she's a Patreon subscriber, but she's been like boosting me up, trying to help me figure out ideas to get the more listeners. Is she really? Yes. I am out of the loop, folks. And she said something about oh I'm excited to get my shout out I hope I get a song and I don't think I gave her a song so now I'm extra paranoid and I'm like okay. bringing the song magic to all new Patreon subscribers oh, oh it's Jen with two ends what's that extra one doing in there seems redundant <laughs> who cares thank you Jen <laughs> That worked. That worked. That worked. Jen, there's your song. Jen, save it. Do you need us to cut it for you for a, for your ringtone? <laughs> Do you need to have us cut it oh, out of your oh, memories so you can sleep at night when you don't have nightmares? It's a really good song. I'm actually impressed with us. You know, someone called us Good Crack. Oh, that's a yes. I actually love that because I watch Love Island. I think that person is either is from. They've got to be Irish, right? They've got to be Irish. Or like Northern England, I think they also and, say. And crake. I read it, crake, and I was like, "Good crake." Well, oh, that's like right? people in Love Island. They're like, "Oh, they got good banter. They got a good banter." <laughs> Ooh, that's, <laughs> they that's say. cute. It's like usually they're like from 
up north a little bit. Oh, that's so great. So I like, love that like, accent. I like a little crack or like, me- what do they say? They're like, oh, so me- melty, which is like, um, there's a melt, like M-E-L-T. It's like, I love it. It's like it. a snack. It's, it's like, like a snack, but he's like, no, snack. it's like, he's like really gooey. Like he's melty. All right. That's getting too gross for me, actually. Like, like he's like super romantic or super schmaltzy is melty, I think. And crack is like, you got a good rapport. It's funny. And we appreciate that review because we got another review that said, talk too much at the beginning, fast forward. And that is a pro tip for you. If you don't like it, fast forward. If you don't like it, there also, are probably other podcasts that do a better job on the storytelling no, part. Only... Like, if you don't like us talking, this is not the podcast that's for you. basically all we have to offer. And if you're tuning in and you don't even know what we're talking about, this is truly... Darkly. Creepily. That's Carrie Ipema. And that's Quinlan Posner. And if you want to become a Patreon subscriber, I'm just going to go ahead and say we welcome that. We welcome you. It doesn't have to do with just getting the extra episode we just released that was Carrie talking about sex offenders and me talking about the dark stories behind children's nursery rhymes. Real, real hot, real opposite ends. Real white, like really, we really covered the spectrum Outside of getting to hear that, you just get to know that you're supporting the podcast, which Mm. is epic. And we support you by making songs with your name in it. We didn't set out to make a musical podcast, but that's where we're at. We'll be there for you when the rain starts to fall. Did you watch the reunion? No. Oh my God, I can't believe you didn't watch the reunion. Was it good? I have to talk about it. Was it good? Here's what I have to tell you about it. Listen up. This is serious. Yeah. If you guys like Friends, Listen to me. If you don't care for friends, you do want to skip ahead because I'm about to get real about it. Are First you spoiling all, anything for me? No. I love all six of them in a real way and feel that mm. they are my true friends. Right. And I have dreams about them. Right. And I have gone to a live taping and I am. You have? Absolutely. You went to a live taping? Of course I did. I'm a diehard friends fan. Which one did you go to? That's, that's actually pretty. I feel like you're in major minority of going to a fucking live taping. That's incredible. I went to a live taping um, when I was 15 years old and it was the best thing that ever happened to me in my whole life to date, including my children, including meeting Bobby Kennedy, including meeting Matt. It's the top. What episode was it? It was the one where both of them, uh, Chandler and Joey, are like the same girl and it's Joey's girlfriend, but she ends up being a better match for Chandler. Yes, mm-hmm. I know exactly the episode where she, he up. gives her I the Velveteen Rabbit, yes. and she says that he Joey gave it to her because she he knows she likes rabbit and he knows she likes cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great show. Here's what I felt about the reunion that I Talk need to, to tell you. I have a lot of concerns. One, it was really really great to see that Joey Matt LeBlanc is that person in real life, and he's happy. Did you ever watch episodes? No. You'd love it. He plays a version of himself. He it's is great. a version of himself. Yeah, so he plays episodes life. and it's great. And there is a li- like there are some it's great. I highly he just recommend it. It's really so smart show. Genuinely happy. And like he didn't have like a big career outside friends. Right. And it just felt like he didn't care and was so truly happy and like, I don't know, I his energy was amazing. Contrast that. With Matthew Perry, who had the darkest energy I've ever read off really? the screen. I feel that because he got addicted to pills and stuff during that time and struggled so much, right. that 
going back and revisiting the set and being there was bringing up a lot of that for him. And you felt his energy. He also said something I can totally relate to where they're all talking about like getting a laugh while they're performing for the live studio audience. And he basically says to everybody, when I wouldn't get that laugh, I felt completely shattered completely devastated it was really hard to recover from and you see it on him of like he was beaten down because he was so hard on himself and he just constantly wanted that approval and you see a lot of comedians that have that vibe and that's why they turn to uh substance abuse anyway just reading his energy off the screen gave me i suffer from anxiety in general, right. but I felt like we were sort of kindred spirits in this way, and his anxiety was giving me so much anxiety that yes, I yes. could not watch almost. Well, I was bothered again, I haven't watched it because part of it was like I was in the car driving back from Florida, did that again, party, and there were these articles that had they'd released a trailer for it, and somebody was like, Matthew Perry is slurring, like he's not well, and what bothered me about it was that it was critical of his sobriety in a way that I was like, this is the opposite of what this person needs. If someone, like, why are we adjudicating his behavior based on a fucking trailer? Oh my God, I didn't even and see that. editorializing. Poor guy. Poor he guy. just can't catch it's like, a break. He can't catch a fucking break. Although he's fucking great. He taught, I mean, he's a good actor. He was in a lot of Aaron Sorkin shit. He was in West Wing. But he talked about how like for three years he just didn't remember anything because he was using so much and I'm so glad he got help and is getting better it's so sad but like interesting I like that they seem to genuinely like each other as a group that's I think also a little bit of a spoiler but I'm just gonna say it it to you because you'll watch and it's not okay the best thing of the whole reunion is you find out that Ross and Rachel had real crushes on each other and feelings for each other when they met that first season and they really wanted something to happen and it didn't. Oh. And so when we see them kiss on Friends, that's the first time those people that <gasps> genuinely had complicated feelings for each other kissed in life. Fun. Oh, so fun. fun. I just gave myself tingles. I mean, fuck, I want to be Phoebe. Like, yeah. Phoebe is, like, sexy, confident, like, knows what she wants, has lived a life. And Love I don't her. know if you remember the series rap. She's with Paul Rudd. She's with fucking, who has not aged a day. <laughs> nope, he looks exactly the same. He looks the exactly same. the same. So I've seen him twice met. I shook his hands once because I was out at a bar with a he friend. He shook his hand. I was out at a friend. I was out at a bar with a friend. This is a pet peeve of mine, but let's get to it. We were at a bar. I was with a friend having a drink there, and Paul Rudd was at the bar having a cocktail. And my friend who was with me, by the way, I had just moved to New York. I was poor as shit. I'm an actor. She decides to buy him a drink, which pisses me off because I'm the poor actor. He isn't a fucking (laughs) money. He's the rich actor. You're the poor actor. Just pretend it's for him, but give it to me, okay? Mm -hmm. So she buys him a drink, 
And the bartender is like, this is from her. And he goes, oh, come over. And he was so kind. He's mm-hmm. like, thank you so much. It's nice to meet you. He shakes all of our hands. Yeah. He has. That's what I picture. Spoiler alert. The softest hands with no <laughs> calluses. Like that was. Never like, worked a day like, in his life. Truly shook his hand and was like, I have coarse hands compared to this man. Like I felt it and it felt like a pillow of lotion. Like I was like, what the fuck is going on with your hands? Melty. The the quad melty. It was absolutely mental. <laughs> Either way, Paul Rudd gotta love him. No age, clueless. Do you wanna? Should we tell our stories? <laughs> I got my story <laughs> from. What's funny oh. is you guys are gonna think that was a cut transition. It's that not. Was, it's wasn't. not. That was in That's real like, IRL, baby. All that's interesting. Mental floss. Scare tissue. Scare tissue? My cute name. It's so cute. No, it's a little creepy. Wikipedia. Atlas Obscura. Ghost Hunters. YouTube. Ooh, haunting, haunting. Yay, yay, yay. And sort of. And this one will really give it away. The Winchester Mystery House website. (laughs) So it's the Winchester Mystery House. Astute. Got it, baby. In 1839, Sarah Lockwood Party Winchester, quite a mouthful, was born in New Haven, Connecticut. And in 1862, she marries William Winchester. I guess she wasn't born Sarah Lockwood Party Winchester now that she I think about it. She might have been. What, she was, was a medium. When was this? She knew she was going to marry what? Oh, you're suggesting Maybe they're a cousins. I mean, the, the Roosevelt's were cousins. This may or may not be a haunting story. What it is certainly not is an incest story, Carrie. <laughs> That's to be determined. Back off. Um, so the dad, the patriarch of the family, Oliver Winchester, was a shirt manufacturer and businessman. And in 1857, he took over the assets of this firm that made something called the Volcanic Repeater. Do you know what that is? Um, yes. something I would love to visit. A volcanic repeater is something that mimics the effects of a volcano Correct. to help with the atmospheric stuff. Like, doesn't the volcano does something, or to, to create land? It's a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> so, then the company developed the Henry rifle, which... I could get into. I'm not going to. Basically, it was easy to reload and it could fire really rapidly. Well, it was the first true repeating rifle and it was a big deal. It was like a favorite with the troops during the Civil War. So it was a thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. William is heir to this company. Wow. And on July 12th, happy birthday, Brianna Posner. They gave birth, he and Sarah, to a little girl and named her Annie. Only six weeks later, Annie dies of something called marasmus. It's a kid's disease where your body wastes away. It sounds like the saddest thing I've ever read about in the world. Oh, God. So they're totally fucking covered in grief. And then just a few years later, Oliver Winchester, the patriarch, Mm -hmm. the dad, William's dad, dies. Of tuberculosis. Oh, my God. That means William now is left everything, including Winchester Arms, the company, which is huge. They made these rifles. Whoa. He dies. What? At 43 of tuberculosis. So now Sarah inherits the Winchester 
arms company. How old is she? She's young. She's like in her late 30s. Right. She inherits 50%, I should say, of the company. It gives her an income, though, of $1,000 a day. That's actually an income of $26,000 in our money. Imagine somebody was giving you $26,000 a day. It's like she's rich on a level that we can't wrap our minds around. She goes, this is a rumor, but I'm going to state it like it's fact. She goes to a Boston medium. (gasps) I know. It wasn't me. Your ancestors. Who channels her late husband and is like, you should leave your home in New Haven, Connecticut. You should move out west and you should build a home for yourself, but also for all the spirits that fell victim to a Winchester rifle. And there's one catch, like you should go build this house, but here's the thing. The construction on the house should never stop. And if you continue building, then you'll live. But if you stop building, then you'll die. That is the weirdest cryptic message. Yeah. She says your husband's death and your daughter's death are to basically because of all these deaths of people dying from the guns that were created. Whether it's true or not, Sarah's like, I'm going to move to California. I'm going to move to San Jose. Mm. And she buys an eight-room farmhouse there and starts what has been described as the world's longest home reno project. I sure shit wouldn't stop. Well, she's fucking has all that money just sitting there. So she like money's not going to be an issue in having to stop. So basically from 1886 onward, construction is going on. It's not one project ever. It's several. And it's a fucking boatload. It does not stop. Let me describe what she, she kind could, of like, does to the house. Entire company. This is great. People have just had like job security forever. Oh my god, a hundred percent. So outside the house is the style, like Queen Anne style. It's elegant but simple. Inside, it's aesthetic movement, which aesthetic movement is so cool. It just means everything is fancy, like everything is as ornate <laughs> as possible. Aesthetic movement is a style. It's so cool. It's like ovens, light fixtures, moldings, hinges, doorknobs. Like, you wouldn't just put in a doorknob. It'd have to be, like, a fucking piece of art. And then it's a doorknob. Wow. You know? And it borrows from all different cultures. There's tons of stained glass, tons of art. It's all art for the sake of art. Um, Also, at the time, spiritualism is a really big movement. So Mm -hmm. she has them build a seance room. <gasps> yes. Sounds like she's into that considering she went to a medium. To be fair, everyone's kind of into that at the time. Also, fun. her family is dead. Time. So, yeah, she wants to have like a direct line of communication. That's exactly right. And there's like a rumor that every night she goes there to chat with them, oh, lets fun. them weigh in on the housing plans. Um, so remember, it was o- feedback. It was OG, an eight-room farmhouse. And now it's this crazy mansion. There's about 161 rooms. There's 40 bedrooms. There's two ballrooms. There's 47 fireplaces. There are 10,000 panes of stained glass. There's 17 chimneys. There's two basements. There's three elevators. It's nuts. 2,000 doors. 52 skylights. Wait, this seems, I'm going to say, pain in the ass to clean. Oh, my God. 
pain in the ass to clean. It basically was built at the price tag at the time of around five million. It would be seventy-one million in today's money. What what went into this house? Wow. There's a lot of the repetition of the number thirteen in the building. Thirteen paned windows. Thirteen paneled ceilings. Thirteen step stairways. Sarah's will, when she dies, will have 13 parts, and she signed it 13 times. The house's 13th bathroom has 13 windows. I like the way you're saying 13. Yeah, I'm having fun with it. You Mm -hmm. can tell? I can tell, and I like it. So she doesn't use an architect. There's no fucking blueprint of the house anywhere that exists, because... It's done in this way where she, like, thinks of a thing and is like, throw this up. And they'll, you know, the construction guys will come to her and be like, "Uh, I think we're uh, done. And she'll be like, no, No, you're not. Add Mm -hmm. a skylight to this room. And they'll be like, that room's in the basement. Basement. And she'll be like, add a skylight. And then they'll be like, we added it. Uh, We think we're done. And she's like, you know what? Throw in a stairway. And they'll be like, to where? She'll be like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Put it in. Just throw in a stairway. The house gets a little kooky because of this. Of course. Um, And there's these rumors swirling around town that are like, this house is filled with all the ghosts that died from people getting killed by Winchester rifles. So everybody speculates she's doing this because of this story we heard. She's scared of the ghosts and she doesn't want them to find her in the house. So maybe she's building this house to be like a fucking trick house so that they can't find her. Oh, interesting. She's creating the world's biggest game of mousetrap. So, yes, like many of the alterations are totally pointless. Like I just said, there'll be staircases that just end abruptly. There are doorways in the house that open to walls. There are corners that you go around and it's a dead end. There's one staircase that leads to a fucking eight foot drop into a kitchen sink. There's another door that if you opened it, it's a 15 foot drop into the bushes outside. There are stairs that lead straight into just like a a fucking ceiling. There are Tiffany glass windows that are interior in the house so no natural light ever hits them. There are secret passages. There's a cabinet that you can go through and it leads to 30 different rooms in the house. This one's really weird. There is only one working toilet because all the other restrooms, people say, are must be decoys to confuse the spirits. There's also a rumor that she sleeps in a different room every night. What? So that no one can find her. She's like, Find me now, suckas. Oh, my God. What a... I would die to explore that place. Totally. Here's the thing. There's all these rumors about it's ghosts, it's ghosts that she's afraid of. But let me just say, she's short. She's four foot 11 and she has rheumatoid arthritis. So I think some of the weird design has to do with that. Like... um, The stairs don't make sense, frankly, because... Well... I think it's like little, there's a lot of places where the stairs are kind of like little stairs, like lots of stairs. Okay. And I think it helps her. Also, she wanted to take showers, not baths because of the arthritis. Um, the, The three elevators come into play there. And the decision to have, like, certain bathrooms that aren't working because they don't need to work because she wants to just take showers. 
I just can't believe she lives there by herself. Okay, you brought up cleaning. I loved hearing this about her. She designed these little corner covers to put in corners so that dust couldn't gather in the corner and it would make cleaning easier. Whoa. All the fireplaces had like these little door areas that collected the ash and sent it to the basement where they then cleaned that out, which is way easier, I guess. So I'm just saying like everyone was like, she's so crazy and cuckoo, but a lot of the things she built to her madness in a way. I think she was an innovator. Like, yeah, she also downtown Abbey style. I call it downtown. Well, as you should. We live in New York. Yes. <laughs> Had um, these doorbells in different rooms that when she would ring them, a, a number would drop down where the servants were that showed them where she was in the house since it is such a wackadoo house. Um Whoa. She had, they could figure that out, but not the plumbing. Interesting. Interesting. Right. But, but like, I'm saying she knows what she's doing. They had call tubes where she could talk through the tube to different people on different floors, and it was totally audible. Like, it reminds me of the uh, whispering wall at Grand Central or something. Like, yeah. just in the architecture of how it was built, it worked that you could really talk to people in different rooms. I think, here's the thing. Was she... A, Eccentric? Yes. Absolutely. But she was also totally rad and kind of a pioneer and doing things that other people weren't doing. Because she could try anything out in her house. The house was like just like no a, risks. a park of experimentation architecture. So in um in 1906, there's the great San Francisco earthquake. And mm-hmm. it caused three full floors of her seven-story house to fucking cave in. She is okay but she got stuck in the daisy bedroom which was named for um the daisies they had like daisy motifs in the windows of that room and she had to get dug out by her staff isn't that scary so scary three stories collapsed yeah it's a big fucking earthquake the good news is she could just keep on building yeah give her an excuse to keep going so she does end up dying in september of 1922 and that's when the construction psh, stops. Um, the rumor is it didn't till the day she died. She leaves all the belongings to her niece, Marion, who had been like her personal secretary. They had been close. But this is so weird. She doesn't actually mention the mystery house in the will at all. Appraisers are like, well, the house is actually worthless because it's so fucking weird. And it has all this damage from right. the earthquake. Right. So Marion takes everything in the house and just auctions it off. It takes six trucks working eight hours a day for six weeks to fucking empty this house of furniture. And they just drain it of stuff. And it ends up getting bought by an investor, the house, for $135,000. Wow. She definitely didn't make as much as she spent on it, right? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay environmental psychologists have talked about this house and said that they think the layout of the house is so weird that it gives people the feeling that it's haunted. But there's also this theory that the weird layout of the house, I love this theory, has encryptions in it somehow and that Sarah was actually creating a puzzle and she was inspired by this English philosopher, Francis Bacon, and she wanted there to be like a meaning you could get from the house, but it's somehow hidden in all so these it's weird like a constru- labyrinth in a way, right? Yeah. 
The theory suggests that she might have been a Freemason or part of the Rosicrucians, like a secret society. Gotcha. Um, Love that. Love that for her. Yeah. And in the early 1900s after her death, they had a parapsychologist and paranormal paranormal investigator. His name was Christopher Chacon. He conducted a full-scale scientific assessment of the property. He did it for a month. And he was, like, looking at everything constantly, round the clock, interviewed 300 people about their experiences on the property. And I'll summarize what he found. There were 1,440 events documented. I'm putting events in quotes. That's a buttload. That's, like, two every hour that he was investigating. 81 of them, 81% of them are explained. Right. Explainable. Right, right, right. So that leaves 19% that are paranormal and can't be scientifically explained. But he was kind of like, I don't know. We kind of need to investigate this further because a lot of the people that said they had paranormal experiences, most of those people that make up that 19% were subjective. They could not be... Totally, totally impartial. Or someone couldn't corroborate them. Maybe it happened I'm when they were alone. I'm interested if it's the same people who did Queen Mary. Because the, the breakdown of, like, there are all these, here are these events. Here are the amount that are explained away. Here are the amount. Like, it's a similar metric or, or you know, determination. Then yeah, because the they're Mary trying. Is close to this place. It's really interesting. They're trying to, you know, put science to it. Right. Um, but there are all these just swirling rumors. The house, let me just give you these these years. This is interesting, I think. So in 1924, Harry Houdini goes and visits on Halloween night. <gasps> he wants to debunk the paranormal stories. And all I read about it is he leaves with more questions than answers. And he starts <laughs> calling it the mystery house. So... It's officially dubbed the Mystery House in the 1930s, and they start making postcards of it and doing tours. In 1960, they open a wax museum there. In 63, it's incorporated as, like, the Mystery House. In 74, it's granted historic landmark status. And, this is a side note, it was the inspiration for Walt Disney's Haunted Mansion. Really? At Disney Parks. Don't oh, you love that rad. as a Disney adult? I love that as a Disney adult. How dare you? I'm not a fucking Disney adult. <laughs> I'm spreading that rumor. No, I don't like it. I'm a musical theater nerd and a Disney adult. Come on. I can't be. You wouldn't be friends with me. <laughs> that is like, that speaks more to you. The fact that you are friends with me, that's on you, not on me. In the 80s, they start doing flashlight tours. And in 1996, um, they name it a city landmark. And in 2018... Winchester, starring Helen Mirren as Sarah Winchester, hit theaters. What? 2019, they do an immersive theatrical horror experience there. I knew it was coming. Called Unhinged, which I would have absolutely died to see. Also, it's not far from Matt's parents. No, no, it's San Jose. It's 40 minutes. I'm going to try to go there. I went, I was in San Jose for my show. And then that's when I came and saw you. But you know what? You we couldn't, we, couldn't have, we couldn't have known. We couldn't have known. This was just... We're not mediums. Spoiler alert. We're not mediums. Alert. I think we did start recording the podcast at that time, didn't we? Yeah. But we didn't know about we this know. amazing house. This is house. rad. Yeah. So it was on um, Ghost Adventures, and they interviewed this woman, Janin Bomi, and she works there, and she's heard things, footsteps and stuff, and... 
she opened one day at 6.30 a.m. And she and the maintenance guy were watering plants and heard a noise on the roof. And she went up to investigate and no one was there. Her theory, though, is that the continual renovations that Sarah was doing on the house were to try to connect her to times when she and William had built their New Haven home together mm. because they didn't get this whole life together. And it was she was trying to sort of repeat this experience that was something they loved doing together. And to like maybe go to the seance room and talk to him, it's like she got to keep living that. Right. Maybe she's the one whose footsteps they're hearing because she's still got plans for it. Who knows? But one thing Janin says that I thought was true and important to remember is that Sarah was this generous philanthropist that basically used her fortune to employ the fucking San Jose community. And she just, it was like social work. She was just finding a way to give back as well. Right. By constantly building, she was employing everyone there. Yeah. I'll end on this note, which is that um, one of the tour guides of the house said on Reddit that the servants' quarters on the third floor is the scariest place in the house. <gasps> guides have heard footsteps following them on this floor when they are completely alone. And that this happened to this person just once. And this one, this is really weird. One time... Someone working there unscrewed a light bulb that Mm -hmm. had kept blinking, and it stayed lit. So they were walking around the house carrying a fucking ghost light bulb that was lit. Wait, they unscrewed it and the bulb stayed lit? Correct. Screwed into nothing. And I like to think that it's Sarah being like, I have an idea. Bing! (laughs) Let's put a staircase here. Just make sure it leads right up to the wall. I would, I mean, that, I'm so glad they did an immersive experience there. I would die to go see that house. Absolutely. You're going to go see it. Are you going to go see it in August? Yes. I'm going to say yes. I hope we're going to go see it. It's close enough that I would like to go see it. Honestly, I'd love to go alone. You know what? I'd love to bring Koa because I feel like he's good at talking to ghosts Mm -hmm. and he'll probably intuit if there's something weird to, to be had. (gasps) Did you see that? It just that burned. was Sarah. Sarah. She had an idea. Sarah, she had another idea. Sarah. Sarah. Do you need any rhinos in this place? Um, my story, what happened was, is a little tidbit about me. While I was gone this um, month, I decided I saw 10-pound dumbbells, and I was working, and then every time I would get up, I would, like, do biceps, do shoulder press, do, do triceps. It was fine. The next morning, my shoulder kind of hurt. Not really. And I, like, leaned on it. Then that afternoon, I couldn't lift my arm over my head. There was a day where my arm was, like, dead-armed by my side. So my dad took me to go to acupuncture. It was the first time I went to acupuncture, and I loved it. The first, I have four treatments. I have a picture of me with needles. Maybe I'll share, but the last time, I do have a bruise. Do you see? Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I went so, it four times. So your shoulder felt better? My oh shoulder my feels better. I think it worked. I've never done it, and I've always wanted to. I think it worked. I mean, the first day after I did it, it was, like, really inflamed and hurt, and he was like, that's good. Dr. Chen, Lombard, Illinois. I'm going to free shout-out. Dr. Chen, Lombard, Illinois. My dad, my parents were like, go. He's amazing. Do you so think they do it for anxiety ever? They do. Okay. They for sure do. Okay. He... My, you know, my dad is someone, and I will say I love this about him, is he's skeptical, but he'll try anything once or twice and, like, will go into it with an open mind. 
like as skeptical as he is like when i was like you should do yoga with me he's like i don't know i don't know grumbling but when he goes he shows up yeah it's like when trying food Mm -hmm. it's like i'm gonna try a full bite of food and not a little nibble because you're not going to tell if you like it or not Mm -hmm. and so i appreciate that energy into the world i appreciate that energy in general anyway so my dad was like i like acupuncture go okay i'll try it and it worked. I don't know if it was like time and like icing and stuff like that, but my arm is better. It's not a hundred percent, but it's certainly better. All that's to say I was leaving waiting for my dad because he was also there getting acupuncture. And I stumbled upon some people magazines. And of course I looked to their true crime sections. So the next two weeks I will be doing stories from the acupuncture's office based on what I read in the people <laughs> magazine. Great. Always be looking for stories and we love it. Okay. So this is a story um, I got from, obviously, People, Alabama.com, Who Magazine, Inside Edition, Waft.com, which sounds like WAP, which I love, WSFA News, Niagara Gazette, and WHNT News. So Nikki Capello. Nikki Capello's 33 years old. She's a critical care nurse. You know how much we love nurses. She's married to her husband, Jim Capello. Now, Jim Capello's 37. He's a private detective, and he's worked up through the ranks where he now finally owns his own firm. And he works for local attorneys in the area, in Huntsville, Alabama, which is where they live. They have a four-year-old daughter. The two uh, got married in 2010, so at this point it's 2018, and they've been married for eight years, because that's math. Her four-year-old birthday is that August. The family all comes. Everybody has a great time. Everybody seems fine. Everything seems normal. September 19th, 2018, he's talking to his sister, Jamie Wiest, and he's venting to her a little bit. He's saying that the marriage is strained and he doesn't know what to do. He says that he's not feeling very well. He's getting sick, and his wife had said he'd take care of him. And then he made this offhand comment that he said, you know, if I'm, if I'm ever found dead, it was Nikki who did it, his wife. And Jamie kind of shrugs it off. Yeah. I don't... I think that's, like, could be said, like, a turn of phrase. Like, if I found dead, it's them who did it. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's your wife and your family. Like, I don't know if, like, any alarm bells would be raised. Well, if you die, they would be. And let me guess. Did he die? Spoiler alert, for sure. A couple days later, and... September 21st, 2018, he doesn't show up for work. Um, so one of his coworkers calls his wife, Nikki. She's like, I haven't, I haven't seen him. I haven't heard from him. He's not at work. No, no, no. So then his mom and Jamie, his sister, try getting a hold of him. And they're in Florida. They're like up north, so it's not too far of a drive. But they try getting a hold of him, and they can't. So Nikki calls the police, and she's like, hey, my husband is missing. No, he didn't go to work. I don't know where he is. So the police come over to her house. His car is in the driveway, and the police go, can we look inside your house? You know what she says? No. I feel like a lot of alarm bells be ringing off so the you fucking thought he hook. was at work? How did you think he got there? His car was... What's the carpool sitch? I don't understand. So his car is there. So they go, can we look inside the garage? She goes, no. So the next day, the police are like, well, that's real fucking fishy. So they get a warrant. The next day, they go over to the house... They search the house. They find his body decomposing in the garage. He's on a tarp, and his feet are on the floorboard of his car. Like, someone was trying to put him in the car. Got it. You know what I mean? Like, Trump was really trying to... They saw a movie about how to drive him off a cliff or something. Totally. There was also the start of a whole inner backyard. This is 
bad, Nikki. <laughs> Nikki, it's not even a good cover-up. Nikki, you, you didn't, didn't even try. this at all. Yeah, you can't, can barely get her on first degree because this was clearly not planned. Well, you know I said I wasn't feeling well. Yeah. Before. Turns out there was an excess of insulin in his system. He had overdosed slowly from insulin. She poisoned so, him. Because she's ins- a nurse? She's a nurse. So, so she's, she, all right. She took it from work. So, so his sister and her husband, and they haven't heard from him, they drive from Florida, Alabama, and they show up to Huntsville, and the house is taped off, and the detective tells them what happened. Horrible. This is when Jamie starts to communicate to the police. She also knew that her brother, Jim, who's the private investigator, recently discovered that his wife had a drug addiction and that she had a chronic back pain that she was taking painkillers for. Mm -hmm. And she was taking, in excess, more opioids and muscle relaxers. And so what happened was, is Jim, the private investigator, at first he's investigating this, going, what's going on? He has a GPS on her, and he also looks through her bags and stuff. And he notices she's abusing medication. So first he compiles all this information and he gets together with her family to say, her family and friends to say, hey, I think there's a problem here. We need to have an intervention. By the way, this is all hearsay. None of this is necessarily proven. Wait, who? Jim, her husband. Before he died. Jim wants to have an intervention about Nikki. Nikki has a drug issue. Got yeah, it, got Nikki it, got is it. abusing her pain medication and muscle relaxers. And she works at a hospital. So she has, to me, it's like very Nurse Jackie vibes. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And so what happens is he's trying to say, she needs help. Let's get an intervention going on. No one's doing anything. Nobody knows what's happening internally in this relationship. I do not know. This is all speculation. But then what happened was, is he was further doing more investigation and more research into her because when he filed for divorce, he wanted to make sure he got his daughter. And so he needed to gain evidence Mm. to what she was doing, abusing her medication again. This is hearsay. The thing is, though, is there's there's stories of her at work falling asleep, being like, my daughter was up super late last night. At holidays and at meals, she would fall asleep. Her eyelids were super heavy all the time, like she could barely keep her eyes open. In fact, in the mugshot, her eyes are half closed. Mm. So while a lot of this is hearsay, the mugshot is her being like that. You know, it's like you can't. And if, dear readers, if you saw me, it was my eyes were half closed. Um, if you saw, if you saw me, and if you saw me, it's weird. We should talk about it. Um, uh, so, so also, there's evidence that she had called a friend and admitted to killing him and asked for help to remove the body. This friend reported that immediately to the police. Some of her coworkers had claimed that at work she was like, "I'm having problems with my husband, and the only way I'll be free of him is if he would be dead." She's arrested um, and charged with murder the same day that Jim's body is found. Nikki and Jim's daughter is went to live with Jamie, um, Jim's sister, with her three kids. So now their daughter lives there. Two days after she's arrested, she gets out on bond for $100,000. It was either $100,000 or $135,000. So let's just say $117,000. $117,500 bail. That's the average of the two work numbers. So she gets out on bond and she moves back into the home where the body was found that she shared with her husband and daughter. So she's been living there now for two years. Because of COVID, they haven't had a trial. So she still is not convicted. She's claiming her innocence 
at this point in the process. She has not tried to contact her daughter. For two years? For two years. She gave up her nursing nursing license, which has made sense if you're, you know, on trial, give it up. And her lawyer is like, she's still presumed innocent, which is true. She's innocent until proven guilty. So all this, again, is hearsay. Her trial will happen sometime in 2021, and she could serve life in prison. Just as a refresher, the criminal case is like, um, did you or did you not kill them, blah, blah, blah. The wrongful death suit is a civil case where there's a monetary claim for said thing, which is what, isn't that what OJ did? It was like he was innocent in the criminal, but he was guilty in the civil. Exactly. Um, So they filed the wrongful death suit because there's a two-year statute of limitations. So while they're waiting for the criminal trial to happen, the civil litigation is stayed until the results of the criminal invest, uh, the criminal trial. This the wrongful death suit expands to the hospital in terms of like what is their culpability? Like you had an employee here who not only stole insulin but also had a drug problem potentially, and you're saying your practices were totally above par. Like our brother is dead because someone had access to all this medication and was taking it without being documented. Mm-hmm. And the hospital's like, I don't think they did it at our, I don't think Nikki did it at our hospital. And also we don't know yet. So that'll come to pass, I'm sure. So their daughter Riley is living with her aunt and her cousins. There is a GoFundMe for her. And her her aunt said, you know, she will be a teen one day and she will Google her dad's name and she will have questions. And I don't know that we'll ever get the answers to. And... Oh, you'll get the answers. Nikki's going to go away for Nikki this. I think Nikki did it. What I, I would love Nikki to see, it. I'll be honest, what I would love to see is a twist. Part of me was like, was there marriage? Was he, like, what happened? You know, we just don't know certain things. But again, when the People article comes out, I got to communicate it. You know, I mean, it's important. So what also I found information that I thought was pretty fucking crazy was in 2018, when he died in Huntsville, Alabama... He was, um, his death was only one of at least 27 homicides in that town in 2018. Do you think that's a lot? In a town, I don't think Huntsville's that big. Like in New York, I'd be like, no, that's fine. But Huntsville, Alabama, how big is that town? No frame of reference. As big as the Winchester Mystery House. Let me look. Let me look and see how big Huntsville, Alabama is. Because I think that's wild. I also wouldn't be surprised if like, if there's, if there isn't, opioid issue if there is like a I mean let's be honest there is an opioid issue it sounds like here hold on population as of 2019 so don't count the 27 dead 200,000 oh that is high right 28 at least 27 murders in 2018 at a population of 200,000 that's a lot what's in the water you know, and it's hard because we love nurses, but this one was a bad nurse. You get you get some of those bad cookie nurses. And, you know, but one, but they don't, I, it's not good, not good a situation. Anyway, so his poor, their poor daughter, the fact that Nikki hasn't contacted her, maybe, and there's no, I don't think, restraining order in place, or maybe her lawyer says not to, but I can't imagine as a mom, if you're like, I'm innocent, give me my How daughter back. the daughter? Four. Four? Four. She's a child. Jeez. Like, could you imagine? What a story. I'm so sorry to hear it. I know, I'm sad. I mean, it's so funny, too, because I felt like I was, like, a PI, and he's the victim, and the nurse is potential. I mean, the alleged perpetrator. Kind of opposite to what we were used to, isn't it? And why did she want to do it? Because he was finding out that she was addicted to drugs and stealing from the hospital. And that she he wanted right. custody of her daughter. 
Got it. I don't think it was just the daughter. I think her life was... Imp- I th- if, if I had... If, if everything what we say in this article is true, and this research that I found in all these other um, news articles is accurate, what I think happened is she got in over her head and her life was about to implode, and the person who knew the most about it was Jim, and so she could get rid of him and she could keep living her life as a nurse because no one was getting any the wiser. But it's like... It's so sad because it's like that's a temporary fix for a problem that's going to exist forever. Do you know what I mean? It does remind me of Nurse Jackie. Doesn't it? That's a great show. Such a good show, but also because they're like, she had, um, she was taking painkillers and muscle relaxers for a chronic back pain from an injury she suffered on the job. Right. Which is truly the premise of Nurse Jackie. Wild. Real life Nurse Jackie. There will be a show about this. There's a show about everything. Did you watch the Dirty John Betty Broderick? No. Oh, it's so great. Amanda Peet is amazing in it. Was that story better told through that or through our podcast? Um, You, it's (laughs) further, you, I mean, they have more time so that you learn more. Let's just be honest with them. You can say it. Here's the thing. I felt (laughs) like I... It was a compa- it was a compelling story in this way that you are like, that's rough. She really got put through the ringer, but it is also weird that so many people rallied to be like, yep, kill the son of a bitch. Like, she had such a fan club over this murder, which yeah. always sits real weird with me. Yeah, anytime someone's, like, rooting for a murderer, you gotta be like, I, unless it's like, um... I don't know. I, they I did know. great casting, though, because Christian Slater has that, like, Ooh, smirk the whole, yes. you know, that classic Christian Slater smirk. That, like, gross where charm Where you just want to punch him in the face. And... You're, attra- you're both attracted to him and repulsed at the same time, which I think is what you want. I also think, for the record, it's you can dramatize a show. Mm-hmm. It's hard to dramatize a podcast. Well, we make it. We make it work. <laughs> Is that what we're doing here? Speak for yourself. That's what we do. <laughs> Have you been watching the other one? I wanted to know if you've been Mayor watching. Mayor of Easttown. Yes. Yes. Do you uh, know what Koa's new joke is besides banana phone? No. What is it? Murder Durder. <laughs> is that from Mayor of Easttown? <laughs> There's an <laughs> SNL coverage of Mayor of Easttown. There's an SNL sketch where it's a show called Murder Durder. And they're it's like, like the you found her in the joke. water, and like everything's like <laughs> she murdered hoagie. my dirter. And Matt and I were watching <laughs> I it and laughing. Murder, murder dirter. <laughs> it's it's she murdered my dirter. And so Matt and I were watching it and laughing. So Ko is like, oh, I understand. So this is funny. This is the so now Koa, when he wants a laugh has moved past banana phone and is on to murder dirter. <laughs> That's on brand for us. We should record him doing the, the podcast is what we should do. He, you know, that show is so good. If you haven't seen it, it's great. But also if you, if you haven't seen Broadchurch yet, you should watch Broadchurch. First. I think Broadchurch is better. Better. Um, my friend at his bachelor party, I'm going to, he wants to do a Kate Winslet dress up night. So I think, I don't know. Oh, any Kate? Any Kate. You're going to do what? I, Titanic's Mary's, too expensive. Titanic is like a fun red Mary wig. Mary sounds like low bun sweatsuit. Yeah. That's easy. I was thinking of doing um, extras, Kate Winslet, where I dress as a nun. Oh. Or I'm sorry. Yeah. Extras with Ricky Gervais, where she yep. dresses as a nun. Yeah. What else? Contagion? It, can, that's, is that her? Mm-hmm. 
You could do the holiday. I was also thinking you could do Revolutionary Road. You could dress in like a cute 1950s vibe. The problem is she doesn't play like caricatures. Like she plays like really nuanced characters. Although Mayor of Easttown would be fun because I could just say Hoagie all the time or Water. Yeah. Or, you know. Or Murder Durder. Or my Murder My Daughter. I want to find out who murdered my Durder. Murder My Daughter. I never know how to end. Do you want a stat about the I podcast? I was going to say we Should just. We end I was going to say Sarah is that you, and then we end. But yeah, tell us the stat of the podcast. Uh, more people die of tiger attacks annually than listen to this podcast. <laughs>